0: This month is our Thanksgiving month, and uh, today we want to uh, speak from Psalms 100. I think sometimes we need to just step back and be thankful to God. Amen. Even if the, 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 the dryer tries to cheapify you, you must still be thankful. How many of you are sitting next to Chippy right now? <laughs> Psalms 100 is our main psalm and I'm going to try and cover everything We couldn't do it in the first service it's a very short psalm only five verses it starts with an exhortation and I'm wondering if we have people in this house who will do what that exhortation says it simply says in verse 1 Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Oh <laughs> Hey! no, you you are better than the seven o'clock people. They just sat there and looked at me. Let, let, let me try it again. I know there are some who didn't, they were not ready for it. Okay, just look at them and say, Chippy, you must join me now. Just as Chippy, you must join me now. Let's read it again. It says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. It, it, it might be that you still have another chippy. Just look at chippy. Say chippy, chippy. You must join me. Say it again. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Woo All right. Okay. I'm reading now. Don't don't do it now. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All ye lands, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing know ye that the lord he is god and it is he that has made us and not we ourselves we are his people and the sheep of his pasture verse 4 enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Why? For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Wow. I think the book of Psalms has been and it's still... The irreplaceable devotional guide, used sometimes as a prayer book, even used as a hymnal by the people of God. The Hebrew title for the book of Psalms is simply the book of praises. In fact, the word Psalms means a song sung to the accompaniment of a stringed instrument. The King James uses that word Psalms. Interesting that the book of Psalms, you know, as a, as, a, as, a, as a young person, as a child, I also used to think that all of the book of Psalms was written by David because that's the impression we were given. But I come to find out, as I studied years later, that the book of Psalms was written actually by different people. Oh, yeah. Some of you are only finding out this morning. Tell Chippy, no, you just found out this <laughs> morning, David leads with 73 psalms that he has written he was Israel's beloved singer of songs he's the one who organized the temple ministry and included singers in the temple ministry, a psalmist of note, very skilled musician, but then we have 11 psalms that were written by the sons of Korah. The sons of Korah were like our musicians. They served as musicians in the temple. You find that in the book of First Chronicles chapter 6. 12 psalms were written by a man by the name of Asaph. And then King Solomon wrote only two psalms, 172 and 127. Rather, Psalms 72 and Psalms 127 were written by King Solomon. Then a man by the name of Ethan wrote one psalm, which is Psalms 89. And some of you may not know, Moses wrote one psalm, Psalm chapter 90. Written by Moses, yeah. Now, very interesting that the book of Psalms were quoted even by Jesus in his preaching. Referred to so many times. And sometimes when Jesus made certain statements, unless you study deeper, you wouldn't know he's quoting from the book of Psalms. Let me give you some instances. In Matthew 5, 5, when Jesus said what he said, he was quoting from Matthew 37, verse 11. I didn't write what he said, so you can write it down, check it later. In Matthew 5, 36, he was quoting from Psalms 48, verse 3. In Matthew six twenty six, he was quoting from Psalms 147, verse 9. In Matthew seven twenty three, he was quoting from Psalms 6, verse 8. And in John 15, 25, he was quoting from Psalm 69, verse 4. When the church in Jerusalem needed to choose a new apostle, the Lord gave guidance from the book of Psalms. In Acts 1, they even said that there was one who was with us, who was to be counted with us, but is not with us, and I'm paraphrasing. And and let his... Bishop Rick, another take. Let his ministry and his office, another take. That's in Acts chapter 1 from verse 15. But they were actually quoting Psalms 69 verse 25 and Psalms 109 verse 8. Even the early church used the book of Psalms to preach from. The preaching in Acts 2 31 is a quotation of, of Psalms 16 verse 10. Even when the church went into persecution in Acts chapter 4, and when they were praying, they made a quotation. Why did the nation rage and the people imagine vain things? They were quoting from Psalms chapter 2, verse 1. Very interesting. When Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, in Colossae, when he taught the church in Corinth about the order of worship, when he made a reference to worship, Or to singing psalms, singing psalms and hymns and making melody in our hearts. He was actually referring to the very psalms that were to be used as part of their worship. And so the psalms should be part of even our worship, even today. It's quite interesting really when you study the Bible. It's very helpful and interesting when you study the Bible from the viewpoint of the book of Psalms. You'll find that the book of Psalms really studies and covers history in an interesting way. In, in, in Psalms chapter 8, we read a lot about creation. In Psalms 29, we read about the flood of Noah. In Psalms 47 verse 9 and Psalms 105 verse 9, we read about the patriarchs. And then in Psalms 105 verse 17, we read about Joseph. Psalms 114, we read about the Exodus. Psalms 67, 68 verse 7, we read about the wilderness. And Psalms 85, we read about the captivity of the children of Israel. So even in the book of Psalms, history is covered. Quite interesting that the, primarily the, 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 the Psalms, when you read them and you summarize, it, it has to do with God and his relationship to his creation. God also and his relationship with the nations of the world, his relationship with Israel, and his relationship with his believing people. The Psalms present God and we see God in the book of Psalms as a powerful God. But even if he's a powerful God, he's a tender-hearted God, but even better, a tender-hearted father. Father. We look at God in the book of Psalms and we find a God who keeps his promises. And a God who lovingly cares for his people. See, the book of Psalms reveal even not only God, they also reveal the heart of those who follow God. I like the way they wrote these people who followed God. They didn't try to sugarcoat their experience. They just said it as it was. We read about their faith. We read about their doubt. We read about their failures, their victories. We read about their hope for the glorious future that God has promised. It's in the book of Psalms that we meet all kinds of people in varieties of circumstances. Some are crying out to God. Some are praising God. Some are confessing their sins. Some are seeking to worship God in a deeper way. And it's in the book of Psalms where we meet the God of creation and we learn spiritual truth from His creation. When we look at the birds and when we look at the beasts of the field, when we look at the desert and the sunshine and the storms, when we look at the wheat and the chaff, the trees and the flowers. I love that song that we sing where we learn something from the mountains. <speaking> Rincereta, repila gawena, coming wa, ha, leming wa, ha, reta, eg, was a tabel or saruna. Then in the next verse, it taba, this so to we louis, when a Jehovah on a Oh Lord, our God, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Your glory is lifted up before all the heavens. It says, then it goes on, it says, even before the mountains were born, you were there. Oh, when we look at the mountains, we realize how big God is. We realize that God is bigger than the mountain. But when we look at the mountains, we learn about God. David says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help comes from the Lord. We find that in the book of Psalms. It's in the book of Psalms where we learn from creatures of all sorts about God. We learn from horses, from donkeys, from dogs, from snails, from locusts, from bees, from lions, from a bull. Psalms 90, my horn will you exalt like the horn of a unicorn, like a wild bull. I will be anointed with fresh oil. And a simile is drawn between the strength of a wild ox and the strength of a buffalo. That the seat of its strength lies in its horns. And David says, when the anointing comes on me, I will be as strong as a wild buffalo. It's in the book of Psalms. Where we are taught to seek God with our whole hearts. To tell him the truth. And tell him everything. And to worship him not because of what he does. But to worship him because of who he is. To worship him not only because of what he gives. To worship him because of who he is. It's in the Psalms that we learn to accept the trials that come. But turn them into triumphs. It's in the book of Psalms that we learn that when we failed, we must learn how to repent and come to this very God who generously gives us forgiveness. And so, this God is described in the book of Psalms as a God who is transcendent and imminent. In other words, He's a God who is so far above us, and yet at the same time, He's a God who is personally with us in our journey. We see him as the most high God, but also as Emmanuel, God with us. We learn that from the book of Psalms. He is the most high God, at the same time he is Emmanuel. And in Psalms 100, the first thing we are told is to praise him. In fact, verse 4 uses a noun and a verb. Us enter his gates with thanksgiving And enter into his courts with praise Be thankful unto him And bless his name Which literally means Make a confession for thanksgiving In other words It's telling us to come before God With praise in our hearts We praise him For who he is We praise him Even if we lack nothing In Psalms 100 We are given an admonition To thank the Lord for who he is and what he has done. We are told to thank him. So I want us to look at several passages. Five verses where we learn five ways in which we can be thankful. Five verses. Number one, verse one says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Not unto anybody else, unto the Lord. Not unto anybody who's tried to help you, unto the Lord. We are thankful to people, but we make a joyful noise unto the Lord. One translation says, shout triumphantly to the Lord all the earth. Number one, it means God deserves our praise. God deserves your praise, Mzalwan. I said God deserves your praise. I said God deserves your praise. praise." One theologian writes as follows in the Jewish Encyclopedia. He says, and I quote, no language has as many words for joy and rejoicing as the Hebrew language does, end of quote. In fact, in the Old Testament, there are 13 Hebrew root words that are found in 27 different words that are used primarily for some aspect of joy or joyful participation in religious worship. We learn in the book of Psalms that our religious worship ought not to be a dry, emotionless thing. It ought not to be something that we go into as though we are sad and we have been drinking vinegar all morning. We mustn't enter into it with a long face, with a pious look. Quite amazing that it is only with us here, the religion that we follow, mostly, not exclusively, but mostly, that somehow our worship of God has to have part of it joyful praise and a joyful engagement with God. It's amazing that with other faiths, it's almost like when we go before their creator, whoever they call them, it's like we ought to be sad. I don't know what is it about us as human beings. The minute we try to be religious, we start looking funny. How many of you, did did you see the person sitting next to you, how they try to look? Just look at them right now and just see how they try to look. Somehow when we try to access God, we come up with forms. We come up with systems. We come up with all kinds of things trying to reach to God. And in the process of trying to reach to God, we are sad all the way. But we learn from the book of Psalms and from studying the words used there, that the worship of God was supposed to be a celebration. People were to come to God with joy. In fact, if you look at the Hebrews and you go as far back as you can go, when they entered into their feasts or their celebrations or their times of observance, it was always characterized with a lot of joy. All the way back even to even other people who may not have been Jewish. You go back to the time of Nebuchadnezzar when he was the king. Of the then known world, and he had conquered the then known world. When he invited you to come to his party, you better go. Because the brother was bad. If you don't go, he says, I'm going to cut your throat. And he used to throw parties. You know, we we throw a party from from Thursday to Sunday, and we think we've done something. You haven't even started. That's just a warm-up. In the days of Nebuchadnezzar and in olden times, the parties used to go on for weeks. He would invite people from all over the world. And you'd find all these people from all over the world. All the princes and the kings and, and the top people. And they would all meet there. And there would be food and dancing and joyful celebration. And there would be a lot of wine to lift their spirits. That's why when we gather here, there's a lot of wine. But the new wine of the Holy Ghost, in case you want to misunderstand me. It's a same thing when you see God's people come to church and they put on a long face. Almost like they are being forced to go to church Almost like they are going to something That they are not going to enjoy at all Almost like you know They are just going there to mark the register Like I told you I was in KZN on the weekend Yesterday as I was driving back to the airport It was still early in the day you know And I met all these people in their In their minibuses Special hire All of them were wearing sundown Attire Sundowns Because you know sundowns Sundance, yeah, I saw Sundowns there, yeah. I, you know, I, do, I only look at Pirates, I don't look at Sundowns. so just, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, uh. So, because, you know, Sundowns was playing with Maritzburg United, and congratulations, Masanda Wana, for the Telecom Challenge, you won. We must give it up to you, big up, big up. It doesn't look like we have a lot of Sundown supporters here. It's the Chiefs people who don't want to congratulate you. But you know what amazed me as I look at all these people, they were all in the regalia. They had bought the attire of Sunday. Some of you don't even buy our t-shirts. I'll go deeper, yeah, I will go deeper. I will go more severe. <laughs> and they were out of sorts. I mean, it was still early in the day, but some of them you could see that the guy is out. He had dead deep in the bottle of cake. Drunk too much But they were happy They were excited So when I saw them I thought oh The match probably is starting at 3 o'clock No they said no it's starting at 8pm I said 8pm They are already here At 1 o'clock 12 o'clock Some of you When church starts Even when we do the praise You are not here yet Some of you just arrived now Look at Chippy behind you and say, "Who You You know, I was thinking about it. I said, can you imagine if we as God's people could make up our minds, I am going to worship God. I'm going to come with joy and and thanksgiving. Remember Barcelona. We are not inside a church. No. This is just a building that houses the church. You are the church. Ah, Have you forgotten? God said I will no longer dwell in houses made with hands of men. He says I will dwell in them. I will walk in them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Paul says don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. God dwells in you. You are the temple. So if you say your church is boring, guess who you are talking about? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. If you say there's no anointing in my church, guess who you are talking about? Because this building can only carry the atmosphere that this church brings. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, Basala somebody was was doing an exegesis on, 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 ex, on 1 Corinthians 14. Maybe we'll do it some other time. And it struck me. The way Paul structures it, we've re, we, we know when he was talking about when they come together to worship, what must happen? He says, he says, when you come together, everyone has a psalm, a hymn, everyone has this. And I thought, what a, what a different approach. They came to church to give. Ah, you didn't get that. He says, "When you meet, everyone has." So you came to church to share with us your journey during the week. People come to church to get. Some of you, you came here, O oh, Papa. <laughs> Even when we sing, you don't come to the front and dance, you know. And then Rao Zama. Look at somebody and say, What a shock. Look at someone and say, What an aftershock. We should regard the act of thanksgiving to God as the supreme joy of our lives. Pure joy is joy in God. Get his ember balls. Runa, our joy is God. He's our joy as the source of our joy. Not only is God the source of our joy, he's the object of our joy. That's why we're not going to hold back in praising him. We're not going to hold back in thanking him. If you think I'm making too much noise, I'm sorry. But I'm going to thank God more than the soccer fans are thanking their players for scoring a goal. And the joy that God gives us, it's a joy that dwells on the inside of us. It's a joy that the world can never give to you. It's a joy that wells up on the inside of you. It's a joy that is there inside of you, even when everything around you is falling apart. It's joy in your heart, even when they retrench you. Joy even when they repossess your car. Joy even when they take you home. Joy when you don't understand what's going on in your life. I'm sorry, but I'm going to express joy in the presence of the Lord. And when I come and dance before him, I dance because my heart is full of joy. Oh yeah, he is the source of our joy and he's the object of our joy. Not ashamed to praise God and thank him. Not ashamed to raise my hands in thanksgiving to him. Not ashamed to raise my voice to him. Do we have people in the house? I'm not afraid to thank him and raise my voice and thank him. The psalmist says in Psalm sixteen eleven, you reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. In your right hand are eternal pleasures. Other people have to drink something to be joyful. We don't have to drink anything. This joy, when we have it, the following day, Haranababalas oh do i have people in the house and once you have drunk of this joy once you have drunk of this new wine there's no other wine that will help you once you are hooked on the most high there's no other high that can be higher than the most high That verse says for us to make a joyful noise. Very interesting, that word for noise means to break forth with or to burst. It's an instruction. Break forth, burst. It sends the imagery of someone who is so full of an emotion that they're unable to contain themselves. See, this is why I've said to you, you can't show someone how to praise God. No, no, no. Your expression of praising God is dependent on the extent to which what he has done for you means for you. You know, when I was in Bible school, I had a friend of mine who didn't like the way that I like to laugh. You know, I like to laugh a lot. I like to laugh. Even today, I like to laugh. I still laugh. I haven't gotten cured. But he's this religious guy who's in Bible school, thank God. So one day he called me to his room. Set me down and I was wondering what is he gonna tell me? Opened his Bible. And he said, I'm very worried about you. I said, Why? Well, he says you, you laugh too much. I said, okay. He says, Don't you know Jesus never laughed? Serious? Yeah, I've never seen any verse where Jesus laughed. I've never seen any verse where Jesus ever made noise or anything. Mara. Everybody that he touched. everybody that he touched when Jesus touched them they they, they rose up they they walked, they jumped, they sang they, they went and told others that that, that woman that woman that woman in samaria who had been ostracized who was living a life by herself when she met the lord jesus christ she she ran into the city she went to the people and said come and see come and see come and see i'm sorry i know jesus never loved but jesus touched me yeah As God's people, we should break forth with praise. See, when you watch professional sporting events, you see people express emotions. And I always argue, you know, because they say, no, it's you in Africa, you make noise, people in Europe don't. I said, well, I was watching them when when Liverpool was playing yesterday. Yeah, I was watching them when Liverpool was playing. I watched them on television when Liverpool was playing. I watched them. They're very emotionless people. Yeah. You you know, here, when we go to the soccer stadium, we sit down. When the match has been playing, we sit down. When the match is playing, we sit down. In Europe, they don't sit down, they stand. And they love soccer so much that their matches are always booked out, it's sold out. And they go there and they dress in their things. Some of them take their shirts off, and you can see some of them are in the spirit. Spirit. And they send and sing. These are the emotionless people, guys. Come on now. And you know the CEOs of companies there, there's multinational people there, there's educated people there, there's all kinds of people. But when they come to church, they want to be so nice. I'm not emotional. Look at your neighbor and say, Trada, 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 Trada. It's a choice we make. It's a choice we make. But when you see these fans, they are so enthused. Do you know the word enthused where it comes from? It's a Greek word. Originally, that word enthused is a Greek word that means to be possessed by God. I am enthused. If that's the case, there are very few people in churches then that are possessed by God. Because they show such little enthusiasm. Number two. Verse two says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. One translation says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him, his face with joyful songs. So number two, God is worthy of service. As a sign of gratitude, I'll serve God. Watch this, Pastor Serving Service to the Lord implies three things. Number one, we serve him with humility. You can't serve if we don't have a humble attitude. Nor can we serve God if we don't have a humble attitude. We shouldn't let people make us feel like we are less than something simply because we have decided to serve God. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You know, it was always strange, you know, in our broader family when I became a pastor, you know, after I matriculated and when I went into Bible school, you know, with some of our family members, it was like I took a step down. <laughs> Serious. They said, So, what are you going to be now that you finish matric?" I said, I'm going to be a preacher. They said, Oh, It was like, it was like you're, you just taking a step down, and then some of them would lobby me on their side. They would say, "Don't you want to study something else?" I said, "Why should I? God called me into the ministry. I could do anything I wanted, but God called me into the ministry. I'll give my life to the ministry." Then they said, "Look, we understand, but don't you want to study something else so that you have something to fall back on? <laughs> fall back on what?" almost like you know when you're serving god you know and i've seen some of you parents when you have children one is a lawyer one is a doctor one is a pastor when you introduce them you say here's a doctor (laughs) one (laughs) key lawyer You know what? I don't know of any honor that God can bestow on any home or on anybody for God to point his finger at you and say, you will be my servant. I don't know. You know, it's amazing. When, you, when, you, when, you, when, we, when we travel, you know, sometimes you're sitting there on the plane and you sit next to somebody and then they, we start engaging in conversation, you know. And they tell them, no, I'm this and this and this and this. So you are talking. So you just engage with them in conversation. So they don't know what's your profession. So after that, you've talked about everything around the world, the politics, everything, and you are engaging robustly, yeah, like that. Mm-hmm. Then after that, they say, and by the way, what do you do for a living? Then I said, I'm a pastor. They say, oh. <laughs> it's almost like if, if I had known, I wouldn't have had that discussion with you because I'm sitting next to your pastor. It's an honor to serve God. I said it's an honor to serve God. I said it's an honor to serve Jesus. Because we are thankful. We serve him. You can't serve somebody B if you don't serve faithfully with fidelity. Service implies faithfulness. Otherwise, it would be betrayal. See, you can't serve God if it doesn't involve, you can't serve someone if it doesn't involve activity. Amen. You can't serve someone if you don't do anything. Many people think that service to God is only confined to us who are full-time in the ministry. Amen. But as as service to God is more than that. Amen. For this church to happen, as you drove this way, there's people who were showing you Amen. out on the streets parking people, the security people were showing you where your car should park. As you came in, there's ushers who showed you where to sit. There's musicians who led you into praise. There you are, you're on TV because of these people standing over there. It's far more than that. Yeah. And I advise young people, the best thing you can do with your life, Is to give your life. I'll tell you why I was you You may think I'm radical. I'm sorry, I will be radical. We give our lives to these multinational companies. And after everything is said and done, they take the profit and go away somewhere else. It's all right, that's fine. Let them take the profit. But with God, there's somebody's eternity that has been touched because of your service. I'm telling you, there's people who have been saved in our church. It wasn't the someone that moved them. It's when they moved here there's an usher who sh- ushered them to the church. And they said, "Who oh, these people?" The usher was even smiling. Particularly if it's a guy and the usher is a girl. Yeah. Actually there's one guy was listening to their testimony the other day. They were actually talking about it they went to the church because of this girl. This girl said okay, I'm going to this church. And this brother said, I, I love church. He didn't, he wasn't telling the truth. He said, I love church. Some of you may be sitting next to the I mean, I'm just, I'm just, I'm down. I love church. And the brother went to church. And when the preaching came, he got saved. They were telling me, as, as I speak now, they've been married, I think, for about uh, 10 years now. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it started with hair. Some of you don't realize how much serving God. Sometimes just living for God. But for a change, you are just one of those children in your home who doesn't give your parents a headache. Yeah, I was talking to someone not long ago. I won't go into details. And, and I won't tell you whether they male or female. This person was telling me about their son. They themselves are in a space where they're not sure about this God thing. That's why they told me straight. I'm not sure. But then they start raving about their son. But I've got this boy. He loves God. And I'm listening to this person. Say, oh, and I'm listening to this. This boy is disciplined. He prays, does this, does this. And I said, ah, really? So then I asked them, are you going to let your child follow you? No, 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 no. He must stay with God. See, that child doesn't know that child is preaching as someone to their parent. Serving God is not just confined to us who stand here. Give your life to God. And young people, the best thing you can do with your young life is to give it to God. I didn't say become pastors. It's fine, you should become pastors, but that's not what I'm referring to. But wherever you are, Whatever sector you are in, whether you're a medical doctor, business person, whether you're a politician, serve God. Not long ago, I was talking to someone in the medical field. They serve God so well. I tell you, this lady, he, the way they serve God, you know. Some of you, God has put you out there to touch people's lives who will never go to church. They'll never, they'll never, they'll never be in church. And you can preach the gospel where they are. Touch their lives where they are. Look at your neighbor and say, God wants to use your young life or, or whatever life, whatever, whether it's not young, even if it's not young, God wants to, God wants to use, God wants to use your life. Number three, or maybe let me conclude that second point. People who have lost their joy of salvation don't serve God anymore. If they do, they are lacking in passion and zeal. See, we are not to serve God out of greed. God to get something. Yeah. Serving God shouldn't be out of a grudge or a grind. We must serve God with gladness. We must be happy. Yeah. I'm telling you, Mazarana, we must be happy to serve God. Yeah. It's so not nice when you're singing here yeah, as a musician and you say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. We, we come to you and say, we, you, you forgot to tell your face then you talk to them and say, now I've got a joy, 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 joy down in my soul. Down in my soul. Down in my soul. I've got a joy, 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 joy down in my soul. And then we say, you forgot to tell your face to connect with your soul. Because your face doesn't look joyful at all. should serve the Lord. But it should be a joy. In ministry we work long hours. Difficult hours. There's a lot that we do in ministry. Some of you forget. Some of us were church members. I was a church member like you. Served so in my church was first to arrive, last to leave. Amen. Prepared chairs, connected the sound system, interpreted, did counseling, everything. No pay. My pastor never even said thank you. No, I'm not saying you should have. But I tell you, and I look back and I say, God, I'm glad, I'm glad that I was busy with something. Otherwise, they could talk about busy man, Tom Bazaar. I'm glad I had too much work. To look at Mantombazan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mantombazan, it's too late. So don't worry. All right. But I was glad and then I realized, see if you have too much time on your hands. Yeah. It's December now. Some of you are at home. And it is in this time where people get into all kinds of mischief. Why don't you find a way To win people to the Lord in December. To pray for people in December. Thank you for the few half-hearted clappings in the house. Number three. It says, he alone is God. It says, know ye that the Lord, he is God. One translation says, acknowledge that Yahweh is God. In other words, no one else deserves our service like God does. So number three, he alone is God. Before our career, he is God. Before our family, he is God. Before our children, he is God. Before our husband and our wives, he is God. Now I know sometimes people don't like it when we say that. But God is bigger than all of us. Yeah. Yeah. If I tell my wife not to follow God, she should just not listen to me. I'm the head of the home, so. God is bigger than you. You don't like the sermon? He is God. God is our motivation for service with gladness. We live with that attitude because we serve God. He's the one who made us, we are His. Our thinking should be that we are there to serve God. He made us his own. Therefore, we, we, we sell ourselves to him like we used to sell ourselves to all kinds of things. He alone is God. We have not laid him on anything in our lives. If God tells me to give my life to him and serve him as a minister, the only answer is to say, Here am I, Lord sent me. Amen. We have no right to our own lives. If God tells me to give my car to somebody, I will. Amen. I have no claim to it. The earth and the fullness thereof, it belongs to God. Amen. We are His people. We are the sheep of His pasture. We are His representative here on earth. He's the one who leads us, who guides us, who protects us, provides for us, comforts us, prospers us. He alone is the source. With what we have, we we thank God for people that God has used in our life, but we thank God for who He is. We know that He used them as a channel, but we direct everything to God. And this is why, therefore, when God has been good to us, we don't turn our backs on Him. When we have drunk from the well called God, we don't soil it. When we drink from the stream of His goodness, we must remember... That he is the fountain on everything in our lives. Therefore, when he asks of it from us, we shouldn't say no. Number four, he's worthy of our praise. He says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. As we said, the Israelites came praising God, but it was even interesting when the Ark of the Covenant was there. In their case, they could only experience the presence of God when the Ark of the Covenant was there because that's where God resided. In our case, the presence of God is everywhere and inside of us. And all of us who trust Him, and He has forgiven our sins, we can always experience His presence. Even though we may not feel it, it may not be obvious Is there. Means wherever we are, We cannot escape His presence, even in your darkest hour. You may be sitting in this place feeling like this year wasn't good for you. And when you look at things that have happened, it may seem like God has forgotten you. But I'm here to tell you that He made a promise I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. There are times in our lives where we don't have all the answers. And life doesn't make sense. But I was telling somebody not too long ago, if you hang around long enough, you'll find out in the final analysis, somehow God knows how to sort things out for you. If you look at the trajectory of your life, over a span of many years, even though you've had ups and downs and ups and downs and detours, when you look at the graph, you'll know that at least the graph is on the upward side, at least. That even if it may not have been that obvious that your life is going up, no beggar mover. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. You realize how far God has brought you. And the Bible tells us, therefore, not only to Thank God, but to bless God. Now, this is very strange. We know that a blessing can only be transferred from a greater one to a lesser one. How then can we bless God when God is the greater and we are the lesser? Well, the blessing in this instance is not about imparting, but it describes an expression of thanksgiving and a recognition That God is the sole source of our meaningful life. So when we bless God, we are simply saying, God, you are the sole source of everything. We bless God. We bless the name of the Lord. Now remember, why do we bless his name? Why don't we separate him from his name? The reason is this. As it is in our culture... It was in the Hebrew culture and many cultures of the world. A name speaks of a person's character. A name is prophetic and historical. So we bless the name of the Lord because we can't separate his name from his character. So when the scripture tells us to bless the Lord, it is telling us to profess who he is, what he does. To acknowledge who he is and what he does. To accredit him, to recognize him, to confess our words and our deeds. That's why when we come here and we raise our hands and we say, what shall I render to Jehovah? When we raise our hands and we say, you are Alpha and you are Omega. When we raise our hands and say Jehovah when we raise our hands we are declaring who God is. If you are living without gratitude unfortunately you live with deception. That you are somebody else's responsibility and that good things never come your way. Gratitude is displayed when we bless God even when things are not so great. In conclusion, the last verse says, the Lord is good. That's number last. Number five, God is good. This is why he's worthy. Because he's good. One translation says, the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. One translation says, the Lord is good and his love is eternal. His faithfulness endures to all generations. Here's why we give praise to God. We are told that when we enter his gates with thanksgiving, and when we serve him with gladness, he's good, he has mercy on us, and his truth is without end. There's no one else, Bazalana, who is faithful and truthful and merciful. You know, this world is a strange world. We live in a world where you can do all kinds of things for people, but at the end, they just never ever become truthful and faithful to you. And so how do we make, get to a point where we can maintain this attitude of gratitude? Where we can recognize all the time that God is good? So you, you can only see that God is good lo- when you look around. First thing you must do is take a note. Take a note. What I mean by this is live with awareness. Become aware. Open your eyes of the world around you. It will shock you. You'll be surprised that you have things that other people don't have. You'll be shocked that what you complain about would be a blessing to somebody else. Two years ago, when I traveled to Malawi, I never will forget this. This is many years ago. Things are different now. I visited a friend of mine in Longwe, And then he took me on a trip. We drove for five hours to some other part of Malawi. I don't even remember which part it was. But as we drove, we drove through a very big portion that was just desert, almost. No houses, no development, no anything, for the most part. Now and then, we would see these villages and these settlements. And I remember, in my mind, thinking, I wonder, the people who live here, what is their source of sustenance? Finally, five hours later, we got to our destination. And as we were there, he has asked me to remain in the car. It was a very hot day, 40 degrees Celsius. So I got out, you know, I tried to, not much shade because the place is just desert. It's standing there, it was really bad. As I'm standing there, there's a bus that drove by going into the city. Now, we just driven from the city. It took us five hours to get there in a car. Imagine the bus going there. And so I, I, I tried to ask him about the bus. He said, this bus only passes here once a day. If you live in this area, if you miss the bus. Yeah. And then and then, and then, he said, I wait here. So he went, goes into this, I can't call it a house. But it's not even a mukuku. You know, when we do a mukuku here, we use corrugated iron. Over there, it's plastics and cardboard. Yeah. He goes into the house, plastics and cardboard. Comes out with an elderly man, senior man who's wearing winter pyjamas, blazing hot sun, 40 degrees Celsius. So he talks to him, they spoke in Chichawa, I couldn't hear what he's saying. So afterwards, when when we were about to leave, I met this man, greeted him. And then I asked Steve, um, Steve, uh, who's the gentleman? He said, this is one of my pastors. I said, look at your pastors, is he not well? He said, no, he's okay. Why? I said, but he's wearing pyjamas. He said, that's all he has for clothes. Oh yeah. That's all he had. Winter pyjamas, barefoot. As we drove, I thought about the suitcase I had. I thought about that suitcase. I thought, God, I don't know if I can live with myself. If I was to fly out of here with that suitcase, I'm complaining about my pants and my shoes. Here's somebody who's a pastor wearing winter pajamas. Look around. Look around. Look around. Now things are not easy in our country. Things are very difficult in our country. But even then, Look around. Look around. If you don't look around, you'll never realize how much God's been gracious to you. Look around. There are people who didn't wake up this morning. You are here. Look around. There are people running around in the streets whose minds are gone. In our area, there's a man who goes and sits next to a traffic light in the evening. He sits on this... uh, Stool, that's like an umpire's chair. He sits there covered in plastics. Winter, summer, he's there, nine o'clock, till early hours of the morning. I was I passed there late the other day. It was 11 o'clock at night. He was sitting there. And I was asking Tatum counter, where does this man stay? He's there every day. And then Tadam the counter says, in the early hours of the morning, he climbs off that stool and he walks all the way into the city of Johannesburg. That's where he lives On the streets His mind is gone And you're complaining You can't even raise your hands And say thank you to God You can't even raise your voice And thank God Oh Oh Look around. You'll be thankful. Number two, take an inventory of your blessings. Count your blessings. You may not be where you want to be, but my goodness, God has brought you a long way. Maybe you didn't reach all your goals this year. Maybe you didn't tick all the boxes this year, but my goodness, God has brought you a long way. Think about the times when the enemy tried to take you out. Think about the times when the doctors gave you just a few months to live or a few weeks to live. Think about the times when the doctors told you you'll never conceive, you'll never have a child. Think about the time when they told you you'll never have a job. Think about the time that they will told you you will never amount to anything. My goodness, look at you today. Look at you today. And you are telling me you can't thank God. You you are telling me you can't raise your voice to God. Are you telling me you can't come into his presence with thanksgiving? Look around. And in conclusion, not only take inventory, and take action. Take your attitude of gratitude into action of appreciation. What do I mean? Do something good for someone else. Yeah. let's tell the truth Bazarana. some of us we've got clothes in our wardrobe that we're not wearing anymore some of us we can't even fit in it anymore ever since we are got a diet <laughs> and you've skipped several sizes already, it's too late it is so old that it's no longer in fashion You know, I have a friend in Zimbabwe My wife knows we try to help them Every time I meet him, I try to give him something You know I wish sometimes we can walk around with our eyes open I'm telling you There's people in this world of ours who are suffering. And here we have a cupboard full of clothes. Good shoes. Someone else out there. Use them. I cried the other time when this man had an accident on his farm in Zimbabwe. He had an accident with a government official. He was knocked off his tractor, fell and broke his pelvis. When he we went to hospital, the hospital didn't have couldn't help him. They didn't even have painkillers. I remember one day when he phoned me, I told my wife, that I'm flying there. I flew to Bulawayo. When you see him in hospital, this is a guy who used to be involved in guerrilla warfare. This is a tough man. It's not a person who just cries at the drop of a head. But as I was with him in his ward, he was weeping. The pain pelvis broken, no painkiller, doctors told him, there's nothing we can do, we can't take you to theater, the resources are not there, I sat there thinking, God, I, I, his family came and I said, you know what guys, I, I don't want to give you false hope, but I'm going to pray For my friend, let's trust God to heal him. Pelvis was in a very bad shape. He wasn't walking. And we prayed. Two weeks later, got out of bed. Started walking. As I speak, he can walk fully. did it. But as I sat there, I thought do we have an understanding of what some people are going through? We who like to complain and we can't even thank God for it. I want to challenge you. Learn to have the attitude of gratitude. And thank him. Thank you. For who you are. And all the things you've done. As I close. If you're here today and. You don't have a personal relationship with Christ. It might be difficult to thank God. Because your life is not committed to Christ. You may be doing your best. But It just can't come from a heart that's genuine because you have no connection. Today, you want to say, you know, I want to have a connection with Jesus Christ. Would you pray for me? I want to ask Jesus to come into my life. Maybe you've walked far from God. Maybe you once knew God and you just decided to go another way. But as you are listening to God's word today you are saying I want to come just as I am. Bring my broken life before God. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Oh <laughs> When we prayed for young men just come, just come. Can I ask you if you want to receive Christ And you want to be prayed for Just walk to the front like this young man is walking Just come from where you are You say you know what I want, to have a I want God to forgive my sins I want God to make things right in my life I'm just far from God Just come I'm blessed by this young man He's stood on his own Because he wants to see things go much better in his life. Come on, wherever you are, just come. Let's pray with you. That's right. Bless you. Come, let's pray with you. Come, let's pray with you from where you are. Just walk to the front. Come right now.